So with that, hey, let's talk about fasting, everybody's favorite subject. So uh, no, we're, we are actually talking about the consecrated life. We're starting this year out talking about the consecrated life. Some of you, I'm excited because some of you have been reporting back to me, there's already some consecration that you've been doing. Uh, the word consecration at its surface means to set aside for a holy purpose. And so if we're saying a consecrated life, we're saying we're setting our life aside for a holy purpose. Some of you have been setting some time aside uh, at the turn of the, of the year to start uh, reading the, the Bible through a year. And, and so I've got, many of you have reported back to me the, the, the different uh, schedules that you're following for it. And uh, it's neat to hear the excitement about it. And so keep that excitement up, keep, keep plugging away. And, and by the end of the year, you will have read through the entire Bible. That's huge because we, we're, we say it all the time. Everybody goes around, hey, I, man, this is the Bible. This is the word of God. I live my life according to the word of God. But if someone were to say, well, have you ever read it? Well, I've read parts of it. Well, how can you claim to follow a book or to live your life based upon a book that you've never read? So, uh, and also it's data entry, right? The Holy Spirit uses the word of God as a sword. The Holy Spirit has come to live in your life. If you're a believer, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you left him without a sword? You know, he will use whatever you've access, what, what he can access in your mind. And so even if you don't remember every single word that you're going to read, it's still data entry. It's in there. That means that he can, you'll be surprised. Every now and then the Lord will have me praying with someone or counseling with someone. And all of a sudden a scripture I hadn't thought of in ages will pop out. And, and I know it's the Holy Spirit just accessing something saying, hey, I can utilize this. Tell him this, you know. And, and it was, it's because of being able to just consistently read through the word of God. Now, it's not a deep dive. It's not a deep study when you do it. But, you know, you're setting aside 15, 20 minutes a day to read through uh, a set amount of scriptures. And, and if you haven't started it yet, I encourage you, go ahead and start it. Uh, rather than finishing on December 31st, you may finish January 8th of next year, you know, the day, the day before the one-year anniversary or whatever. Uh, or if you haven't started, go ahead and start and double up. Within a week or two, you'll, you'll be caught up and, and on track to finish before the year is out. So, uh, but either way, I encourage everyone and challenge everyone, get the Word of God in you this year because we're trying to grow a church. And by that, we're not talking about numerics. We're talking about us. We're trying to grow us. The only way we can grow up in Christ is to get Christ, the word, in us and to digest us. So uh, I want to encourage you on that. So the consecrated life, the consecrated life, just to kind of remind you what we talked about last week, quick review, Joshua 3 and 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things amongst you. Remember we learned last week, God's doing amazing things constantly. He doesn't do amazing things because we consecrate ourselves. He just does amazing things because he is an amazing God. In order for us to receive and be aware of the amazing things that he's doing around us all the time, we need to consecrate ourselves. Have you ever been around someone that you can tell, man, God's really taking care of this person, but that person's constantly complaining and grumbling? And they're not even aware of how good they have it, <laughs> how much God's taking care of them. Why? Because they are in need of consecrating themselves. Uh, I can't consecrate you. You can't consecrate me. It's something we individually have to do. So the word consecrate, just to uh, uh, get you back up to speed, consecrate on the surface means to set aside for a holy uh, purpose. 
The word consecrate, if you break it up, is con, Latin is with, uh, sacrate, which means sacred. So with sacredness, you are doing something with sacredness. Sacred, the word sacred at its core means that which is purified with divinity, not just by divinity, but with divinity. In other words, uh, you know, you can go and clean the window if you spray Windex on it, but you don't just spray Windex and walk away. You spray Windex, and Windex is doing its part, but you've got to like do your part too, right? And so between you and the Windex, the window can be purified. That's how it is with every part of our life. If we invite God in and we live our life, we, we remain active in our life, but we bring God in, it becomes a purified thing. We bring God in, all of our motives get wiped clean. Uh, all of our agendas get wiped clean. We can start just appreciating the moment that we're in. We can see God's blessings and power right in the midst of what we're doing. You can be right in the midst of trouble and trial and tribulation and look around and see all the goodness that's taking place around you if you invite Christ into that moment. Well, what you've done is you have consecrated that moment, okay? You are doing life with sacredness or, or con sacredness consecrated, okay? So that's what we mean by consecrated life. There's lots of ways to consecrate things. You can set time aside for prayer. You can set time aside to read the word of God. Set time aside to be uh, intentionally grateful and thankful. There's all these different practices you can implement. So what I, I do want to talk to us today is about is fasting, okay? About fasting. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 17, but before we do that, uh, fasting is actually really powerful and is found all throughout the Word of God. When I say fasting, what I'm going to talk about today is food fasting, okay? Predominantly uh, what would be labeled water fasting, where you're basically just drinking water only. Uh, another form of fasting would be dry fasting. It's where you go without food or water, period. And we'll, we'll talk about that briefly a little bit, but uh, there's lots of ways to fast. You can, uh, you know, sometimes people will fast television or they'll fast, uh, you know, a particular thing in their life. The Lord called me the day after Thanksgiving. The Lord told me, hey, until further notice, you're I want you to fast social media. I said, yes, sir. So I shut down all my, so temporarily or until the Lord gives me the green light, uh, my personal social media account. So if you've noticed Pastor Dave's not on your social media account, I did not drop you or block you. I promise you that. Okay. I'm just following the Lord's fast <laughs> about that. But what I want to talk to us today is about food fasting. Daniel did a form of fasting. What he, Daniel actually, uh, uh, for 21 days, he was seeking after the Lord. And he did basically what would be considered these days a, a raw vegan fast, predominantly water. Uh, he, said, he said, I drank, I, I had no good thing, and I ate no good thing for 21 days. He said, no meats no wine. So he, he predominantly did water, predominantly raw vegetables, uh, perhaps some, some raw fruits to go along with that. Uh, so, so what he did for 21, and, and if you are in the midst of a fast and you've not heard from God, don't get upset. It took Daniel 21 days before he even got a word from God. 21 days, three weeks it took him. And, and uh, so that's, that's a form of fasting. Matthew 4, Jesus actually did a 40-day water fast no food, but, but he, would, he consumed water only for 40 days. Esther, 
in the book of Esther, chapter 4, Esther actually called a three-day dry fast. That was no food, no water. The three-day dry fast as she was preparing to approach the king on behalf of Mordecai and the Jews who were in, uh, the Jews who were in, um, don't worry, the place, we, intruder alert, intruder alert. Uh, <laughs> it's our, it's our friendly alarm that goes off every week, so. Uh, that's actually, that's my anointing meter. When I've, when I've reached the right amount of anointing to preach, it goes off. So y'all can rejoice when it goes off. Be like, woo, glory, pastor, preach. That's right. Uh, so Esther uh, called a three-day dry fast to prepare to go before the king because she could have been killed <laughs> to go before the king without being summoned. Uh, but she went to go plead on behalf of Mordecai and the, and the Jewish, the, the, the Jews who were in captivity. So, so there were important things to take place. Now, keep in mind, fasting is a form of consecration. God doesn't do anything because you have consecrated yourself. So God doesn't do anything because you have fasted. But what fasting as a form of consecration does is it gets you in alignment with what God is already doing so that you can have success in whatever it is that you need. If you're saying, man, I don't, you know, fasting, I'm not into this whole fasting thing. I just, I, I want everyone to open their mind and be challenged by the concept of fasting. Now, you can take a look at me and tell fasting is not something I do constantly, right? <laughs> uh, but there are times that God will call me to a fast and he'll empower me during those fasts. And there's incredible things that take place. Uh, those of you who were here probably three and a half, three and a half years ago, I preached about this. I'm going to touch on some of what I preached. Uh, you, you may remember some of it. For a lot of you, this may be new stuff. So anyways, I want to call your attention to Matthew chapter 17, starting with verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, a man came to Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Could you imagine that? Having your child who would just was a severe epileptic and, and would wind up burning himself or almost drowning himself. You, you almost, you, he, they couldn't let this child out of their, their sight without him almost, almost killing himself. So he brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, he kind of looks at his disciples and he says, oh, faithless and perverse generation. Notice the word faithless. And we're really big on faith around here. Trust God, just trust God, just trust God. You, know, you hear, I'm, I'm like a broken record, right? With what I've experienced in my life. Trust God, faith, have faith. Well, that's what Jesus addresses their faith. He says, man, you don't have any faith in your perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Look, we tried to pray for this kid. We tried to cast this out, but we couldn't. Why? How is it that you did and we didn't? Now, Jesus had empowered his disciples to go be witnesses and do all this stuff, right? And so this is Jesus' name. Now, notice the first thing that he says. He says, so Jesus said to them, 
because he addresses their faith or their lack of, right? And so a lot of what we preach about here is faith, trusting God. God promised us via the covenant of Abraham, he's got our back, he'll take care of us, he'll bless those that bless us, curse those that curse us, he'll provide for our every need. You can have faith, you can trust him and his word. So Jesus is addressing this. He says, because of your unbelief, because of your lack of faith, for surely I say to you, now he sounded like a broken record because we've read these things a lot. Jesus said this stuff a lot. If you go back to all four gospels, he says exactly what he says here quite a bit. I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So he stops and he's, echoing what he's been preaching all along. If you just believe, if you have faith, even mountains in your life have to move if you speak it out and have faith. But you just got to believe. You got to trust. You got to trust. So he's, he's just going over and over and over. But then he stops, verse 28, and he says this. However, this kind, this kind that we just dealt with does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Except by prayer and fasting. Now, what, number one, one thing that you can take away from this is that fasting must have been part of Jesus' lifestyle. To where Now, we, we know of the 40-day fast that he did at the top of his ministry, but, but it had to have been something. He was always praying so whether he chose a day to fast, like a day a week, or every few weeks he would fast two to three days, or you know, whatever the fast was, fasting had to have been part of his lifestyle because, as was prayer, because when it came time for him to pray for the boy, he, was, he cast the demon out. He said, now it's interesting because Jesus was huge on faith. That was part of his yeah, he, it was part of his key text was faith, trust God, trust God, believe God, speak to your mountain, trust him. Nothing is of all things are possible with God. Oh, but this, this kind, this kind, you, you got to pray and fast to get this kind out. In order to expose this to your faith, you're going to have to pray and fast. This kind, this kind What? What is he talking about this kind? The, the word was demon. The, the dad said he's an epileptic. Jesus spoke to a demon and cast him out. Now, I'm not going to get into the subject of demon possession, demon oppression. I believe in it. I've seen it. Uh, I've had to deal with it in prayer uh, throughout the course of my life. Uh, but, but at the same time, I, there's, there's also figurative ways that we can look at this as well. The word demon in the Greek is daemonian which actually is translated a divisive or destructive intelligence or state of mind, okay? Now, that would, that would uh, uh, describe an actual evil entity that could possess somebody, but it also describes a lot of our mindsets when it comes to our own life, doesn't it? That's why we kind of say sometimes like, ooh, I'm struggling with some demons from the past, or a man, that, that guy, just be praying for him. He's struggling with his own personal demon. What do we mean by that? We mean daemonian, a dis divisive 
or destructive intelligence or state of mind. We, we all struggle in some way. There's something in our life that becomes epileptic per se. You know, you ever felt like there's certain areas of your life that you get ahead, you take five steps forward and then you shoot your own wheels off? You ever met someone that you go, man, they're their own worst enemies. You know, they do so well. And then all of a sudden they just shoot the wheels right off, man. They do something, they just derail themselves. Well, what, what's happening? There's something within their psyche, something within their mind and their spirit that won't let them go. It seizes them. It convulses them. This, this kid couldn't even walk right. And he would, he, would, he would go into seizures and convulsions and lose control, wind up falling into the flames, wind up almost drowning himself. Those are, those are I, I see that in a lot of people's lives. Man, they'll be going along and then all of a sudden it's just like they, they just go nuts and they self-destruct. You know, they get caught up in their own personal flames. They almost drown themselves in their own sorrow. These type of things that are chronic, chronic daemonians, <laughs> chronic negative mindsets, self-destructive mindsets within our life. And Jesus said, now here's the key. This is interesting because Jesus said, Faith, faith, you got to believe, you got to believe. Oh, yeah, by the way, there are some things that you, in order to get them out, in order to expose them to the light of your faith where you can confront them, it, it, it's going to take a little bit more than just believing. You're going to have to pray and not just pray, you're also going to have to fast. There's something very consecrating and powerful and sacred about fasting. What? So if I fast, then God's going to do, no, God's going to do what he's going to do. God is here ready to liberate 24-7. But in order for us to line up to bring something into the light of his liberation, sometimes it takes prayer and fasting. Okay, we're going to take a look at this. This kind of, does not go out except by prayer and fasting, okay? I want to bring this scripture to light as well real quick before we dive into fasting. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, this is Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Would, would you like to know what the perfect and acceptable will of God is for your life? Well, you, it starts out with consecration, presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice what that's going to do is, it, it, that's, a, that's a holy, notice it's a, it's, a, it's a sacred, it's a holy thing to do. It's acceptable to God, and it's our reasonable service to him. That's going to help us to not be conformed to the world, but it's going to help us to transform our minds, uh, to renew and transform our minds, so that we can know what the perfect, God's will is already established, but we need to consecrate or present our bodies as a living sacrifice in order to start lining up to what that will is, to figure out what it is, right? 
So to present yourself a living sacrifice, there's lots of ways you can go with that. It can mean something as simple as you have given your heart to the Lord. You have, or you have made him Lord of your life, which means you surrender your rights over to him, which means that your lifestyle even starts changing. All of a sudden you start refraining from certain activities because you, don't, you, you start being convicted. You're like, you know, this just doesn't feel right anymore. I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to participate with these things. So you start keeping yourself pure, walking uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through a, a pure lifestyle. You don't engage in fornication, adultery, uh, uh, drunkenness, and, and just uh, you know, a lifestyle of drunkenness, a, a lifestyle of, of dependency on things. You start learning to depend on him. So, so there's, there's a purity that comes with presenting yourself a, a living sacrifice. But I, I want to also open up another angle. You know, you can shine the light of revelation and truth on the word of God from different angles, and it'll reveal different things. It's, it's like a jewel, you know. So, so I want to... I want to talk about something that takes place when you fast, okay? So let's just, let's just pretend that we're all embarking on what, we, what would be called now a water fast, okay? Uh, let's say we're going to do a 72-hour water fast. For the next three days, we are drinking nothing but water and not eating, okay? Uh, if, if that's something God calls you to. But we're just, we're going to pretend. Uh, what's going to take place is... Over the first 24 hours, you're going to start burning up all of your carbohydrate reserves, right? So all the carbohydrates that your body has stored in your muscles and everything else, it's, it's going to go, oh, I need carbohydrates. Because right now, the, the vast majority of us are in carbohydrate burn mode, right? Now, the easy way to look at it is, oh, well, your body's going to switch to ketosis. And then at, during the ketogenic state it's going to start burning fat. It's going to start, it's going to run out of carbohydrates and then it's going to convert to starting to use fat for fuel, which yes, all of that eventually takes place during a fast, an extended fast. Okay. Uh, those of you who have may, maybe did, have done a low carb diet and, and maybe it took, you know, two, maybe three weeks to convert into a ketogenic state. If you fast, if you water fast, it actually, you can be in a ketogenic state with, uh, within about 36 hours, sometimes 36 to 48 hours. If you dry fast, no food or water, it's even quicker, okay? So it's just kind of interesting how, how quick your body will adapt. The, the, the problem is this, it takes a lot of work for your body to convert from burning carbohydrates to burning fat, right? Now, why am I going into the physical details of what takes place in a fast? Because Romans chapter 1 says that we can understand the hidden things of God or the spiritual things of God by, that, by the things that we can see, or in other words, by his, his creation. So if you study his creation, you can actually study his nature, right? So we can see a lot of parallels. So your, your, body, your, your body winds up having to go through a process. It's a lot of work to convert from burning carbohydrates to burning fat. So your body wants to take the path of least resistance initially. And so it's got this big metabolic furnace that usually it shovels carbohydrates in, right? Well, now it's ran out of carbohydrates and it's saying, okay, well, we can start shoveling fat in to the metabolic furnace, but that takes a lot of work. What do we have that we can start using immediately? 
All right, and so, so that process is called autophagy, okay? Autophagy, it means, auto means self, and the phrase phagy, kind of funny sound, means eat. So it actually means self-eating. Say, that sounds horrendous. <laughs> sounds cannibalistic. It's actually really healthy if, if it's done within, within certain control mechanisms. Another phrase that's often used for autophagy is self-sacrificing your body begins to sacrifice itself per se, right? It, it becomes very cleansing and very healing. Now, it's interesting because it brings a whole new perspective to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, right? Which is holy and acceptable. And if you do that, you'll eventually be able to understand the perfect will of God. Well, here during fasting, autophagy starts taking place. What that means is this. First of all, your body's like, okay, I need fuel for this furnace. I'll eventually get to the fat, but what do I need to start? What can I use right now? It starts using everything it doesn't need. First thing is virus. If you got a virus running around in your system, guess what? I can burn that. Sorry, virus, into the furnace. It's pretty healing, isn't it? Bacteria, we got a lot of bacteria in our body some of which we don't need. It's just, they're parasites. They just hang out for the free ride. It starts clearing all that out. Hey guys, sorry, you've lived off me long enough. Into the furnace, got to use you for fuel. So now that's why those of you who have maybe done a low carb diet, you go through what's called the keto flu. <laughs> you know, you start feeling flu-like symptoms. Well, it's, your body's kind of purging itself. And so you got a lot of toxins floating around waiting to get processed out. And, and so, yeah, you, have, you, you don't feel too great for a day or so. So the next thing it does, your body starts, go, starts looking at muscle tissue, right? And it says, you know, all of these cells have shelf lives. And there's a whole slew of cells on your, all of us on our muscles have cells that are due to expire here pretty soon. And your body constantly replenishes itself with new cells. So all it does is it expedites those cells that are gonna be dying out pretty quick anyway. And it says, well, you know, your expiration date's coming up, so let's just go ahead and clean you out. So it clean, cleans out old cells, which expedites production of newer cells. So ironically, you actually, on a cellular basis, you can actually get a little younger when you fast. Interesting, huh? The next thing is, it also, uh, while it's taking care of all that, it's looking for other things it can use, such as scar tissue. Your body technically doesn't need scar tissue. If you've got a bad cut and it forms a scar, well, it's just it's this way of your body's way of saying, oh, I was cut there. Let me protect it even more. I don't want, it, I don't want to be recut there again. It doesn't need the scar tissue. And so it'll actually start eating away scar tissue, using scar tissue to throw into the metabolic furnace. So even your scars can start damaging. I actually used to have a bigger scar on my forehead. Uh, I was helping to build a cage on one of the jobs I had early on. And the pipe that we were using, you know, with the come along, right, to tighten up the cage, slipped and just bam, hit me and split my head open and had stitches, all that stuff. Uh, so I had a nice, violent looking scar on my forehead for a while. After, after a few sessions, rounds of 
fasting during a time in my life that the Lord had me do extended fasts. I would do five-day fasts and eat for a while and then go back and do another three to five-day fast. Per, per the Lord's guidance, uh, the scar, like really, van- like I know where it is, but, but it's not quite as noticeable anymore, right? Uh, and it's because my body ate away scars. Now, what is the significance of all this? Because as it's taking place in the natural, things are taking place in the spiritual as well. What did I say? One of the first things your body starts looking for, viruses and bacteria. Well, do you realize there's a lot of leeching, parasite mindsets and spirits and attitudes that want to start grasping onto your life all the time? You ever just been around a lot of people that just seem like they're sucking the life out of you? All of a sudden, those things start becoming obvious spiritually. And you start realizing the things in your life that are just starting to draw too much out of you. And, and it brings it to the light of revelation to where you can use faith to say, all right, Lord, I trust you. I'm letting go of this stuff. I don't need this stuff in my life anymore. I don't, it's, it's not serving the purpose I thought it served. This, this person, I love them. I bless them. I'm going to have to separate a little bit here and give myself some distance. The Lord starts bringing all this stuff into life, light uh, just from the revelation of fasting. What's some of the other stuff that starts doing? Scar tissues, old scars from the past that used to just, you thought defined you. All of a sudden, God just has a way of just smoothing that out, healing wounds from the past. You know, all of a sudden, things that you thought were just so damaging all the, don't seem damaging anymore. They don't hold the same power over you anymore. You start realizing just how free you are from these memories. Inflammation, that's the other thing that starts. It will tear through inflammation, right? I have in my right knee, uh, the, the doctors tell me I have a little bit of arthritis in my right knee. I don't want to claim that. So, well, praise God for doctors. I don't, I don't, I'm not dissing doctors. At the same time, I'm speaking health and healing over me. And, and so if my knee actually does start bugging me too bad, I can actually fast for 48 hours. My body seems to respond if I just water fast for 48 hours, not only am I cleaning things out in my system, but my knee stops hurting. It tears right through inflammation and cleans out inflammation. So things, in, spiritually, things, irritants and irritations in your life that have inflamed certain areas of your life begin to get cleaned out. There's this incredible healing process that takes place just from fasting. And I'm telling you, it's if you ever, if the Lord ever empowers you and leads you to do an extended fast, you're gonna you're gonna see so so much parallel taking place in your life while you're experiencing things within your body, even challenges within your body. You're gonna see things outside of your body that seem to just be riding in parallel with it. But it's awesome because you understand that there are personal demonians, mindsets divisive, destructive intelligences, right? Uh, That have just plagued you will start being brought into light as you fast, but not just fast, but you pray along with your fast. I tend to, in place of mealtime, I'll use that for prayer time if I'm fasting. Rather than, yeah, rather than get caught up and, ah, I could just go for some breakfast right now. (laughs) No, I'll get up and I'll go find somewhere and I'll go pray. And you will, you will be amazed. What I've encountered is after about the first 48 hours, 
that voice in your head that says, would you just order a pizza? Would you just stop and get a taco or whatever? It, just, it silences. It's as if that voice is in the back room, but there's so much incredible peace that you start, you know, that you start encountering. Now you do eventually get into ketosis and that is one of the benefits. All of a sudden your body starts tearing through, uh, tearing through uh, fat cells and, and all that stuff. Now dry fasting, uh, and, and again, I, we, we all have physical needs. So you know, I don't know what your physical need is. Your doctor may be like, hey, no, don't, don't fast. You, know, you need this with your medication, this and that. Look, you, you use wisdom, uh, you seek after the Lord, you let the Holy Spirit guide you on this. But dry fasting, uh, everything that takes place over the span of about three days of water fasting, drink, you know, like just drinking water only, one day of dry fasting tends to equate to about three days of water fasting. So if you water fast, within, within about 36 to 72 hours, you're, you're kicked into autophagy, okay? Uh, dry fasting, so three days of water fasting equates to one day of dry fasting. Now, the incredible thing about dry fasting, no food, no water, if, if that's something God leads you to, I recommend you don't do anything. You just reserve a day where, where you're not going to do anything because uh, you're not going to necessarily feel great. But what, ironically, what will take place after your body rids itself of all the fluids that you've already drank, uh, uh, I have read up where people have dry fasted for three days, 72 hours, and yet they will still, with all the healing that takes place, one, one thing that takes place is fat cells are made up predominantly of water. And not only that, it's, it's water that your body has created, right? And so it turns out to be genetically created water specifically for you. So, so those, those cells will start releasing, because your body's like, hey, I need, I need fluid. Those cells will actually release, as it were, living water, or water that is genetically made perfect for you into your system to help cleanse you out. Now, that's pretty hardcore stuff. <laughs> God hadn't called me to one of those dry fasts. I'm just saying it's pretty amazing how the Lord has created our bodies to heal and to purge and to cleanse. And while it's taking place in the physical, it's taking place in the spiritual as well, which is one reason why Jesus said, this kind only come out, what kind? Daemonians or demons that are very seizing in nature and self-destructive, burning and drowning yourself in misery. There are some folks who will find deliverance in their consecration when they actually take time to fast. Whether it's 24 hours, 72 hours, five days. Or maybe the Lord is calling you to fast a meal. Say, oh, I've never fasted in my life. I don't know if I could do it. Well, maybe he's saying, hey, fast a meal. And instead of, instead of eating that meal, take time and just pray. Or maybe he calls you to 24 hours. You eat dinner and you fast till the next evening. Whatever it is, pray about in the coming days and weeks of the Lord calls you to this. Now, this is what's pretty cool. We're going to end on this. Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58 deals with 
people's mindsets and motivations for fasting. And, and one of the problems that God said, he told me, he said, I'm not, I'm not honoring some of your fasts because you're fasting for the wrong reason. You're fasting because you're trying to get me to do something. I'm already doing something, but you need to fast so you can figure out what I'm doing. The problem is you're fasting and you're wanting me to go, you know, I'm fasting, Lord, so I want you to go do this. Defeat my enemy, bless my house, do this, do that. But yet he comes, he comes back and he says this, Isaiah chapter 58, verse six. He says, is this not the fast that I've chosen? He said, this is, the, in other words, he's saying, this is the reason I've chosen fast, fasting for you guys, to loose the bonds of wickedness. Folks who struggle with perpetual sin in their life, I've seen them delivered by taking time to pray and fast. They wind up finding the empowerment that God already has for them. To undo the heavy burdens. Woo, man, I could, I could do without burdens in my life. To let the oppressed go free. And that you break every yoke. I believe God has called us to freedom. I love what Ryan said at the top of the service. He's, he's saved us. He's placed us in a safe place. And he's gotten us in a secure place. We have, we're saved, we're safe, and we're secure in him. In other words, he brought us into a place where he wants every yoke in our life broken. And he stands here ready. It's just that there's some yokes that we're not ready to give up. And some of those yokes, in order to be brought into the light of our faith, we're going to have to go through the transformation that takes place when we fast. It's a powerful, powerful way to consecrate. I encourage you to pray about it, look into it. There's a ton of information on it. We just really kind of scratched the, the surface of what takes place during a fast. Uh, there's different methodology. It's almost a science now. You can go out there and, and research a lot of stuff and, and be safe and wise and smart about it and let the Lord lead you. The Lord's not gonna lead you to do something that's gonna be self-destructive. Uh, it may be self-eating, <laughs> you know, uh, sounds horrible, but it's, like I said, it's, it's an amazingly... Uh, uh, healing and healthy. And uh, who would have thought that skipping some meals would actually make you younger, huh? Amazing. But fasting, this kind, this kind, let's all stand, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. God has put, he's given all, us all a measure of faith, the Bible said. So you have faith that he's given you that allows you to move mountains and you need to move those mountains in your life and believe that God will. But they're gonna, every now and then in your own personal growth, you're gonna run into something that's just not gonna wanna budge. And he said, when you run into that, pray and fast. It doesn't make God do anything differently, but it brings things to light in your own way where you're like, I never realized how much I depended on this. I never realized how much I was fearful of that. I never realized, and I, I, don't, I can't explain how everything takes place with fasting. I'm just telling you, it works. It works. Father, I love you, and I thank you for our family. I thank you for this fellowship. I thank you because you're bringing things to light so that we can consecrate ourselves, so we can live a life that is sacred and holy unto you. Uh, Lord, I pray that you lead us deeper into you because the deeper we understand your grace, your love, your power, 
the more we're gonna grow up in you and we're gonna become more like you. Father, I pray that you help us share your love and your light to everybody who comes into our life. Help us to reflect Jesus so that someone can come to a saving knowledge. Thank you, Lord. And if there's anyone in this room that you've never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, I encourage you to do so. It's one of the easiest decisions you could ever make. Just speak out to him, call out to him. Something to the effect of, Lord, I believe, I trust in my heart that you rose Jesus from the dead and that he died for my sins and I, I wanna make him ruler and boss and Lord of my life. So come into my life today, Jesus, and direct me from here on out. Amen. I praise you. Father, allow your spirit to have freedom in our lives as we worship you one more time. We glorify you and help us to be the church this week. We praise you in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. We're going to worship together one more time. If you need prayer for anything, meet me over in the corner. I'll be hanging out. would love to join my faith with your faith and let's claim the word of God together. In the meantime, let's worship as a family before we're dismissed. Amen.